With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Oh my goodness. That does not look good or sound good. It's a two-seam fastball trying to run it inside. That's right on the back of his hand. That's it for Robbie. Robinson Gano, who got hit by a pitch on Sunday, right? Uh, wasn't Against it the Tigers. Sunday yeah, and uh, broke his hand and was going to be out for uh, quite some time. Today accepted a 80-game suspension without pay by Major League Baseball after testing positive for a banned substance. It was a diuretic, uh, fermosamide, which is basically Lasix. Uh, and uh, apparently, if you take uh, Lasix, it uh, gets pumps the fluids out of you. Uh, we, we'd like to give it to horses, too, to... Uh, to uh, see how much we can get away with. Uh, some states uh, didn't allow Lasix for horses. Others do. But uh, I saw T.J. Quinn, who's you know basically devotes his life to covering uh, performance enhancers for ESPN, done a lot of investigative stuff, says that, uh, that baseball does not just routine, routinely suspend you 80 games for a diuretic, uh, diuretic that uh, it has to be, they had to have evidence that he was using a, uh, mm-hmm. a performance enhancer and this was a masking agent. Now get ready for it. By the way, Verlander's, uh, I saw Buster only retweeted Verlander's, Verlander's was pretty quote. good. Get ready for the excuse. Coming three, in three, two. Coming, coming in three, two, one. And of course, you know, it's, I, I guess that's what we'd all do. Huh? I but accidentally took it. But. I I agree with Verlander. The only problem is someone also found a tweet of his back when he played for the Tigers, and his teammate Johnny Peralta got popped for a, a for a and PD. He defended him. Defended him. It's my brother. You know, yeah. he made a mistake. Blah blah blah. But well, I agree. I'm glad that there's a form now where well, these guys can come out and and go after Ed the cheaters. Robinson Cano uh, might have hit. Hit a couple of home runs off Verlander through the years. How do we know? Yeah. You know? My favorite, though, is uh, Michael Young. You guys remember Michael yeah. Young, second mm-hmm. baseman for the Rangers? He says, quote, I didn't realize, dot, dot, dot. Quote, it wasn't my intention, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> quote, I have no idea how, yes. dot, dot, dot. Yes. So a lot of these guys are just saying, come on. Well, I hope uh, in 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 all these cases that the... Uh, that they don't have uh, anything in their backgrounds, right? Well, that's true. Anyway. But and a guy with a guy like Cano, don't you guys wonder aloud too? Like I do, he doesn't need it. He's he's Robinson Cano. He's good enough to to get away with not having to use. Well, you know, uh, as I told Manny, the thing about uh, this uh, whatever it is, this uh, diuretic, diuretic is. Uh, 
it causes you not to run hard to first base. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No, it's now here. By the way, coming in three, two, one. Yes. The the rips coming from the NFL loving media. Oh yeah. Saying, hey, yeah, well he's hurt, so that they're not really punishing him. Well, they are taking away what's his salary? Twenty four. Uh, twenty two. I twenty two. So they're taking away eleven million. Yep. Maybe just twenty four. And he'll probably miss a little extra time. And your league suspends people for one fourth of the season, and baseball suspends them for a for half. half. So uh, the uh, the uh, football lovers who I know are going to come out and uh, ridicule the idea. Oh yeah, well they suspended him, but uh, you know he's hurt anyway. Uh, are going to, uh, you know, they they basically... I wonder how long the NFL is going to get away with uh, just the four just games Just the quarter suspension. of the season? I don't know. Well, well it'll probably, won't that be a thing that they'll discuss at the next, you know, the, the next uh, CBA? Well, sure. They'll try to... Uh, the NFL will try to make issues out of all these things that have nothing to do with screwing the players financially. It, sure. It seems you like know, it'll be... The suspension and it, everything else. It, seem, it seems like the league will try to make it eight games and players... Association will probably compromise it like well, six the or players, something. If it if ends the up getting changed, players are smart. They'd probably be so smart to say, "No, go ahead, suspend us eight. Give us back that fifty. Give us <laughs> back that seven percent of the income that you stole last time, and you can and and right. and give us neutral arbitration for your suspensions, and you can have and guaranteed contracts. Then you can have uh, an eight game suspension. So I have anyway, an odd question. Not that it really matters in the grand scheme of things, but. So he's going to lose twelve million. Is that money then that comes off Seattle's books for half the season, or how does that work when they're figuring uh, out their payroll for the entire twenty eighteen campaign? Yeah, I I would imagine they they don't. Or have do to they pay treat it. it like a fine almost? Where yeah, yeah it goes yeah, into the they, league officers. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Okay. I, I I'm I'm not sure how that works. Uh, I that's something that uh, can be checked on, and I'm going to the ball yard tonight. If I run into anybody uh, there, I will. Somebody out there knows. I just don't. know. By the way, that mean I mean the M's are fighting for a wild card. He's ineligible now for postseason play. Yes, Cano. Yeah. Well, uh, meanwhile, last night, uh, the Fighting Twinks' uh, pathetic performance against Wayne LeBlanc throwing his slop up there. It is funny in the modern baseball with everybody striking out a million times and everybody throwing 97. This We had uh, two guys. I thought Odorizzi, considering that he started three innings with a guy on second base, really pitched well. I did too. And yeah. uh, But, geez, you got to get a couple of runs off this guy. Come on, fellas. Let's, uh, let's go here. Well, it seemed like the elements really played into the enthusiasm for the lads on on both sides. I'm not just accusing the Twins of this, but there was just zero energy in that game last night. You know, mm-hmm. the the rain didn't help, and then the fact that it got pushed back an hour and 45 minutes, and you just knew it was going to be one of those mutts. It is interesting that they uh, basically waited to 7.45 to start the game in the same conditions they could have started it at at 6.05. That was odd. Yeah. That was in odd. In fact, I don't think it was raining as hard in Golden Valley. I'm only, you know, I'm four miles from the ballpark. Right. They come. The weather comes right over me. It was sprinkling. <laughs> At six o'clock, it was sprinkling. I liked your tweet. <laughs> it was sprinkling. Play ball. Okay. Yeah, you know, let's. You know what? What are they waiting for? If you look at the clouds, and at six o'clock we still have clouds, you could see that it was all the way back to Wilmer. It wasn't going to change, right? Right. It was going to be Play about ball. the same. Let's go here. What the hell. <laughs> You know, and then they start the game, and when they actually started, it was raining harder than it rained in an hour. But they finally went and started it. How long the game ended up being? What was the game time at the end? Uh, 
we go three? I don't know. I, I probably three. went three. I probably game, went three. For a game where only one run was scored. <laughs> I, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a piece on Frank Willis. I'll talk about it a little later. But I looked up for, because I was writing something about the chaos the Twins had in the early years at second base, I looked up the first game the Twins ever played, April 11th, uh, <laughs> 1961, Yankee Stadium. This is great. Uh, Twins win 6 to nothing. Pete Ramos beats Whitey Ford. Two hours and 27 minutes, opening day, Yankee Stadium, the big ballpark in the Bronx, 14,507. Uh, wow. 607. <laughs> 14,607. Wow. You know that the Minnesota Twins led the American League in attendance for the decade of 61 to 70 by averaging 1.4 million. So, wow. Uh, things have changed a little bit. And time of game has changed, but also attendance has 253, changed. 2.53, just shy of three hours yeah. we were really? last night. That's pretty good. That's not too That's bad. Not bad. Too yeah, good. one run will do that to yeah, you. Yeah, you yeah. swing like a bunch of sick hookers, uh, you know, that's uh, what happens. You know uh, what they say when you're in Vegas? Oh, don't don't get her. She's yeah. got a bad swing. <laughs> yeah. She looks like she's sick. Brandon Lang will be with us. And Kenny, I know you're excited. Our guy? Our guy is back right. to talk about what's the future of Vegas with gambling being held everywhere. You'll be able to gamble at the Fold Legion Club, for God's sake. I think he's going to reassure us that everything's going to be okay. I think okay. he will, yes. Yeah. Here's the man, Brandon Lang. BrandonLang.com if you want to find out about uh, what's going on in Las Vegas when it comes to sports events. Brandon, uh, what is the reaction out there to the Supreme Court decision? You know, it's like there's a dent in the Bentley, but it's still drivable. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Um, it'll take some of the East Coast revenue away of, of people now going to Atlantic City to bet their games than coming to Vegas. But at the end of the day, Vegas has never been overly concerned with what other people are doing. A lot of local states have casinos, and, and, and Vegas is Vegas. And, and Vegas is always going to be Vegas. And going to Vegas and experiencing Vegas, there's just something to it. So they'll, they'll take a hit. Some people think it's 30%. I don't. I think it's, I think it's 5 to 10%. Um, all the hot girls that go to Vegas from Arizona and California are still going to Vegas from Arizona <laughs> and California. You're not going to so, get on a plane and fly to Wyoming because they have legalized gambling is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, so, so it's, it, it's going to be fine. It's, you know, the, the, there's two big winners in, in this whole thing. First of all, it's the local state because you have, in estimation, 100 to $500 billion of wagering going on in Costa Rica. And why should they get that action when the local states can get it and then tax it and then there's your revenue. Now we can fix some schools and some roads and that extra income that the local states can do with it. It's it's something that's that's needed. I take my hat off to Adam Silver because he was the driving force behind this. Once the NBA got behind this and the NHL Major League Baseball followed suit, the only one that's trying to fight is Roger Goodell. And Rogers fighting a losing battle because I assure you when those NFL owners sit back and see the money the NBA owners are making <laughs> They're going to say, "Hey, Rod, go in timeout. We want some of this too." How are they going to get their cut? How's it, how are they going to get their cut, Brandon? The leagues. Well, 
what, what I've heard now is there's going to be kiosk machines in the arenas. <laughs> and when people walk into, because understand, Delaware with the parlay cards, they run it through their lottery system. So yes. you, you can go into a 7-Eleven and buy a, a, an NFL parlay ticket. So that, that's the way they do it. Um, but Adam Silver's plan is, is to get betting kiosk machines in NBA arenas. And when you go in, just like you go up to purchase a ticket at a movie theater, you'll go up and put your credit card in and put $100 on the heat, minus four and a half. I like the heat tonight. And um, there's a proposal for having tablets that you can rent for in-game betting. Um, <laughs> it's a, a whole avenue, uh, a revenue stream that, that is now available once the, the, the gauntlet has fallen. Listen, Great Britain has been doing it since, yes. you know, since forever, and there's you know, and, and I heard another proponent of they've never had any major problems. Sure, you have a little uh, fixed game here, fixed game there, tennis match here, tennis match there. But on an overall scale, I heard some senator howling at the moon that this brings fixing back into it. I wish these politicians would call me up because don't talk about my business if you don't know anything about my business because you really sound like a put put the ball in your nose with some makeup because you sound like a clown. <laughs> 16 games on the NFL level will never happen again. Period. The guys you need to do it make too much money. 30 million dollars a year what these quarterbacks are making right now. So they're not going to do it. And on the collegiate level, um, Vegas does a great job of of pulling games down off the Vegas board. You can't walk into a Vegas sports book and put $100,000 on Mammoth Rider under the post total and not have Vegas and not have Vegas go, uh, wait a minute, take that, take that game down. We've not had a hundred grand on a Mammoth Rider total since no. I've been working here. And, and they investigate it. So the, the fixing game aspect of it, listen, we're not in the 1960s anymore, okay? We're in 2018. It's time to get with the times. It's time to take those revenue dollars that are going offshore and get them in the good old U.S. of A. Hey, Brandon, uh, and the other thing is you're not jam-packed out there in that town uh, when the, on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament or be, uh, the Super Bowl or anything else because uh, they can't make their bets anywhere else. They want to be in Vegas. Uh, nah, it's a ghost town. First day, NFL, NFL week one, we're a ghost town. <laughs> Listen, it's, 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 it's coming with your boys. It's bet college football on Saturday in Vegas. It's go to Rhino or the Crazy Horse Three or whatever your favorite adult establishment is. Listen, the girls are hotter in Vegas. That's the bottom line. And you and I, we're not going to get away from that. We never will get away from that. Vegas is Vegas, and it's going to be fine. The local states, just everybody get behind it. Get your system in play. Still a lot of legislation has got to go through. The, the, the big winners early on. Um, Atlantic City, because the casinos are there, so it'll be easy to implement a sports book in the casinos and get that going right away. All your states that have casinos in them right now, they're licensed, so the sports books can go in right away. And I'm sure by football season, you should be able to go into your local casino and, and bet a game. But for your racetracks and your OTBs and things of that nature, there's probably going to be other legislation that's going to have to be passed to allow that to happen. It'll take a couple of years to get the kinks worked out. But once everything gets working smoothly, it, it, I really, I've been doing this for 29 years. It's going to move along smoothly and fine, and there's not going to be any hiccups whatsoever. Hey, uh, Brandon Lang's with us, BrandonLang.com. Now, uh, here's the deal. You got the Golden Knights out there, and I saw a story on how some of the sports books are a little nervous. If they win the cup, they were, what, betting them at 100 to 1, 200 to 1, or something like that? 
Yeah, they're very, they're very, very nervous. They were an absolute cash cow at home this year. Yes. Um, there was a run there where they had eight and nine games where it was nights and over, nights and over, nights and over. And people were just parlaying together. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. I listen. It's been a great run. I, I honestly don't feel um, that they can beat either Washington or Tampa Bay. I really don't. Those teams are really, really, really good. If they get to the NHL finals. I think your winner is, is sitting there in the East with with Washington Tampa Bay. So, uh, are you do, are you paying because they're there? Are you paying a little more attention to hockey? Well, I've always been a hockey fan. I'm from Michigan. Okay. Um, I have a couple guys on my site that handicap hockey, but I'm you know I'm not listening. That's like uh, asking me to handicap horse races. When I go to the track, I find my guy and and I bet whatever he tells me. It's funny. I tell people what to bet when it comes to sports. Now I know how it feels when he gives me a hot tip on uh, on the sixth at Belmont, and and he buries me. And I look at him and say, "Dude, that was your best bet. You didn't even win place in show. Killing me here." <laughs> hey, how's so, baseball season treating you? Baseball's not bad. NBA playoffs definitely heating up. Had Boston in Game One. Had Warriors in Game One last night. I think my my, my fifty dime release was number five in a row last night. So it's been. Uh, it's been good. Guys, it's been a great year. It's probably been my best year since the movie come out. Uh, I think I've won 14 to 18 weeks, three or four winning months. It's been, uh, you know, to close the NFL season on a 17-6 and six run and to have, you know, Philly over Atlanta, Philly over Minnesota, Philly in the Super Bowl, and then to close the NCAA tournament on a 13-2 and two run and to have, you know, Villanova, Kansas, Villanova, Michigan, and then to go on a 14-2 and two baseball run right after that. Um, it really has been just a uh, dream, dream year so far. But as I've said on your show a number of times before, it don't matter, boys. If I don't hit this 75 diamond tonight, I've just gone from the penthouse to the porta potty outside the house. <laughs> and you have one there tonight uh, for people who uh, want to uh, figure out how to go about contacting BrandonLang.com? Yeah, just go to, to BrandonLang.com. One day free all access pass is still up there. If you haven't visited the website lately, I've got a 75 diamond trying to make it three in a row. And, uh, and, and we've got a pretty good feel of Boston Cleveland game, too, tonight. So. Tell me, um, what's going on with the Celtics? How the hell are they doing this? They only got half their team. Listen, number one defensive team in the NBA. Um, people say that they actually play better without Kyrie. Now, that remains to be seen. The adjustments are going to have to take place next year when Hayward comes back and Kyrie comes back. But as a, as a group, defensively, um, they're phenomenal, what they do defensively. But I don't think people realize just how good a defensive team they are and what they do and how Brad Stevens has them play. Um, they're the, believe it or not, they're the more athletic team. And, and the one deficiency that Cleveland's had all year, 27th in efficiency defense all year long. Cleveland's not a great defensive team. They haven't been a great defensive nope. team all year long. So if you, if you get them in a half-court game and force them to execute and don't give them easy buckets, they struggle, and LeBron struggles. So it'll game two tonight's a, a really interesting, interesting game. As far as people think LeBron's just going to go in there and score forty, it's a little harder against Boston in their principles um, in, in what they do than other teams LeBron's face. All right, Brandon, thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay. Here's Johnny Hyde. Hey, it's Patrick. This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. 
Twins Cardinals tonight at Target Field. Jose Barrios goes for the Twins. Jack Flaherty pitches for St. Louis. Your Twins lineup tonight, Maurer, Dozier, Rosario, Escobar, Kepler, uh, Logan Morrison, DHing, Buxton. And where he belats his best position. <laughs> Buxton, Adrianza, and Wilson. Yeah, it was kind of sad last night that they kept bragging up his defense. Yeah, and what of course were they he talking about? The error yeah. That, uh, well, and he had the error against the Yankees, too. Remember, well, the snow botched not, play, but he didn't scoop exactly the ball. Not exactly a scooper. NBA playoffs tonight on this station. The Cavaliers at Boston, 7 o'clock, Game 2. Celtics lead the series one game to none. Uh, right before that, the Adrian Heath Show. The coach will catch up on uh, all the Minnesota United goings on. 6 o'clock, the Adrian Heath Show, NBA basketball at 7. Uh, speaking of Minnesota United, in an announcement that was expected, the new Minnesota United Stadium will host CONCACAF Gold Cup play. Uh-huh. In July of 2019. Did we make that announcement today? We did, yes. Yes, we're going to play. Uh, that's going to be the opener, right? The United States men's national team will be featured at Allianz. Who are we against... taking on? Do we know yet, or do they nope. draw them out later? They will uh, name an opponent later. I hope it's Trinidad and Tobago so we can get revenge. <laughs> yes. We can get revenge. <laughs> the uh, CONCACAF, which... They uh... cheat. They use two countries and put them together to beat us. <laughs> Uh, that all stands for North Central American and Caribbean Association of Football. Dumbest name ever. Which takes place every two years is the region's top tournament to crowns the best national team from North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Sixteen countries take part in the tournament held throughout June and July. Further details, including the dates and teams for each of the 15 cities, will be announced. Allianz, of course, uh, is a $250 million stadium, should seat about 19-4. They broke ground last May, expected to be finished up in February, and United will play its first games there in April of next year. Why don't they call it North slash Central America? Yeah, the other. Yeah, uh, that'll work. North uh, Central. That makes, that makes you sense. You could call it the NCA. Yeah. Might make more sense in CONCACAF. It does. We got the Caribbean in there, too. Yeah. But the hell with them. They can be part of the one or the other, North America or <laughs> Latin America. Or, yeah, you could do Latin America. You could do uh, you could do uh, North America, Latin America. You could do hmm? NALA. That would, that would work. Oh, yeah. Make more sense. You're NALA. Right. There is, you're right, NALA. Patrick. No NALA. way to say it this way without no. sounding like you're stuttering. Yes. <laughs> you end up CONCACAF. <laughs> The uh, Minnesota Whitecaps, local women's hockey franchise formed back in 2004, will join the National Women's Hockey League. They've been around forever, the Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. Bunch of collegiate players who would play, uh, you know, yep. anybody who would play them. Formed in 2004. Sorry, the traffic man and I are arguing yeah, about You guys feel free to sit about. there and, you know, I don't know if you're aware of what Oh, Kenny's just wrong and I'm right. Mm-hmm. Again? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, the Whitecaps uh, will join the NWHL. Uh, they began with four teams. The Boston Pride. I love this one. The Buffalo Buttes. B-E-A-U-T-S. Like beauties, I'm assuming. Oh, that's Buttes, a, you know, Buffalo that's a little sexist. Connecticut Whale and the New York, now Metropolitan Riveters. Minnesota is team number five. Uh, they were formed, the Whitecaps, originally back in 2004 by Twin Cities hockey dads Jack Brote and Dwayne Schmidgall. They wanted a place for their daughters to play hockey after college. For seven seasons, they were part of the Canadian-based Western Women's Hockey League, which broke up in 2011. 
Uh, they've played an independent schedule since then against uh, Minnesota College and prep teams like the Gophers, Minnesota Duluth, and Shattuck St. Mary's among the teams. You played. have filled us in on that, Johnny, and we there are ready go. to roll. Get your white cap season tickets uh, <laughs> right now. All right, thank you. You bet. Uh, the great Frank Willisy uh, passed away uh, yesterday. He'd been in hospice for several weeks. Uh, this is an ongoing uh, problem with his kidneys that he'd had for uh, years. In uh, a few years ago, he actually had a third kidney uh, inserted. He was able to. Uh, uh, a woman named Elizabeth, who was a friend of uh, Frank's longtime pal Bobby, she was tested and she came out as a match. And on May 14th, 2012, Elizabeth donated the kidney to Frankie Quillacy. And uh, Frank, who was always the uh, the funniest guy that ever lived and uh, nothing was too corny for Frank as humor, or always referred to the third kidney. He would grab where it was located <laughs> and call it Little Liz, he called the uh, third kidney. Helped him uh, live uh, for quite some time. Although he did get a virus after the transplanted uh, kidney, and he had about 23% function. Oh, wow. Uh, last time I talked to him in June, uh, not last time I talked to him, but when I wrote this column, June of 2013, that I wrote on him. Uh, and the uh, they finally, I think a couple of months ago, told him dialysis would not help anymore. Sure. And he basically just uh, drifted away from them. He also was, I believe, having some dementia problems that somehow... Is tied was in it connected? To, okay, this thing, but uh, a great guy, and his parents met working at a neighborhood bakery on the south side of Chicago. Oh man! Back in Frank was born in fifty nine, so probably a, after the war. Okay, you know? and uh, he was Guido Kulici, oh. <laughs> and she was Laura. Dominowska. Okay. So we got the Italian and yep. the Polish got it all uh, connection there on the south side of Chicago, where on that side hey, of Chicago... You know what that family had? Connections. They did. <laughs> but I, I I did this on Twitter last night. I got to do it again. And he always referred to them as Ma and Pa. Mm-hmm. Ma, Pa will be bringing the sausages cooked by Ma. He always... <laughs> they were Ma and Pa to him. And everybody... You know, with the twins, his teammates, and he. Now, now I didn't cover him as a player. I covered him as a as, manager. As a manager, yep. But uh, the everybody would, you know, in the clubhouse would say, "How's Ma doing?" Sure. Frank? And so, uh, Just so they, did they relocate or did they stay in Chicago? They stayed in Chicago. They did. Forever. Okay. They stayed in Chicago, probably in the same house, like all Chicago. Guys. Sure. Like Stelly. Stelly, I was just going to say. Sure. Lived in a house, and his in-laws lived two doors down, and <laughs> you know the they. The south side of Chicago, very, uh, very homogenous place, you know, right there. So, anyway, here's what he told me in uh, 2013 about the sausages. Ma would get Roma Italian sausages and the bread from Fontana's, which must be the bakery. The bakery they they met, sure. And then she added her sauce, her incredible sauce. Pa would bring them to the ballpark in Polish luggage, paper bags. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pot took care of everyone, including the broadcasters. Harry Carey was with the White Sox. One night he said to Jimmy Pearsall on the air, I'm going on a diet for a few days. Jimmy asked why, 
And Harry said, the twins are going to be in town, and I need room for Mama Quilici's sausage sandwiches. <laughs> now, the Quilici sausage sandwich was, and I got in on him uh, there, because Frank, basically, from the time he was a player until he was done being a broadcaster, first game every time the twins came there, sure, uh, would uh, the pa would bring the sausage. We got it. We got to have a delivery. Bag. Yep. yep. And the two big, they, there were probably 50, 60 of them, you know. And, and, but they were as simple as could be. They would, uh, not a huge link, maybe a half a link. Okay. But the bread just wrapped around it, this fantastic, one piece of bread, but fairly thick. So I think she must have sliced the bread at home. Okay. You know, she'd get the bread from Fontana's, but she'd slice it, just wrap it around, dab some sauce on it, wrap them up in paper, and you'd get... You know, you could be eating them six hours after they were cooked, and you didn't care. They were they were from heaven. Any cheese? No cheese on no, this? No, no. Just no, sauce. No. Sauce, and, uh, sauce and the sausages, and they were world famous. In fact, I, Jim Cott responded on Twitter as to remembering the sausage. Sure. Which is, when Frank first came up in 65, uh, they had a, I wrote, I wrote something about this. It's on uh, StarTribune.com. Second base was a chaotic position for the Twins from the get-go. And Ray basically was until Rodney showed up in 67 okay. as a rookie. They had a guy named Bernie Allen who we thought was going to be great as a rookie. He he was the quarterback of Purdue when they beat the Gophers in 1960, one week after the Gophers beat Iowa, and the Gophers were rated number one in the country. Bernie Allen beat him. Uh, 18 months later, he was the Twins' rookie second baseman. Wow, okay. Left-handed hitter. Had a really good rookie year. The next year, he couldn't hit himself. If he couldn't hit the water, if he fell out of a duck boat. Wow. For some reason. So they they started messing around at second base to somewhat. And and then in 64, Bernie got run over at second base by Don Zimmer and got his knee all shredded up to hell. I think it was 64. And might have been 60. Anyway, so Jerry Kindle became the second baseman. He couldn't. He was a great gopher, great slugger, ended up being the man, coach in mm -hmm. Arizona, legendary mm -hmm. coach. Great second baseman, couldn't hit either, was terrible. He was hitting 190 in 65, and that's when they called up Frankie from Denver. And Frankie became pretty much the semi-regular the last two months of the year, and then the World Series, he played all seven games. And, of course, famously, uh, game one of the World Series, bottom of the third inning, Drysdale pitching. It's one-to-one -one because Don Mincher hit a home run off Drysdale in the second. Frank hits a double. They score six runs, and Frank hits an RBI single. They ended up and chased Drysdale. He had two hits in a half inning, his wow. first World Series game. Ended up with four hits in that World Series. He got two off Koufax, one on game two, and then one in game seven. Uh, but uh, he was a great guy, and I had him as a manager, 73 when I took over the beat in St. Paul, 74, 75, he was a, he was a great guy. And man, he was beating the, uh, he was fighting the odds with Calvin then. Cause they were, you know, they, there were no TV deals. There was no nothing. It was how many tickets you sold. And they had fallen under a hundred, uh, under a million and they were hurting. And, uh, they really, uh, did nothing to help him out. And, and th those were some pretty lean years, right, for Twins. And he was only a 74, they went somehow, it was a miracle, they went 82 and 80. I don't okay. know how they did. They stunk. And uh, he won 82 and lost 80. And the next year, he was 76 and 80. I don't know. Uh, 
76 and 83, I think, and got fired. The season was short three days because of a, a short strike. But uh, he got fired after that, went to work in a broadcast booth, and, uh, you know, and then finally uh, left broadcasting to make a little more money out sure. there somewhere in the business. There is world. something to be said, though, too, and I never had the chance to meet the guy outside of the, like I was telling you earlier, that brief encounter we had for the All-Star Game mm-hmm. stuff when you were talking to him. But there's something to be said about those great old-school baseball oh, guys yeah. that just yeah. know how to spin a yard. And there's man. a great picture that with this online at the Strib with the piece I wrote. Frank and 65 with the big burns, the man. big chops, the big sideburns. <laughs> he was a he was a made for the 70s guy. Sure. I'll, tell, I'll tell you, 60s and 70s. Frank Willis, he 79 years old, great guy, and we traveled with the team back then. Yep. You know, we flew with the team and um, you know the rare charters and stayed at the hotels with them and. And it was different. Every time you stopped in a hotel bar an hour and a half after the game, when you got back, the manager was in there drinking. So you'd buy him one, and he'd buy you two. I love, I love your tweet last night where you just said he he was it. He always bought I said the he first. Bought the first couple. He'd always buy the first couple. <laughs> I said sausage and suds. He didn't get ripped too often. You know, <laughs> no, he knew the way to a sports writer's heart. Feed him and let him and buy him a cocktail. Right. That was pretty good. All right, we'll be back. That, please, will be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? I want to tell you a story. It's a story about baseball. And when people ask me why I like baseball so much, this story is one of the reasons why. It's a story about Walter Johnson, the greatest pitcher who ever played. On this day in history, 100 years ago at Griffith Stadium in Washington, uh, the Washington Senators defeated the Chicago White Sox one to nothing. What made that interesting is the game went 18 innings, and two pitchers pitched in that Come game. Come on, Walter Johnson for the Washington Senators, the big train, the original big train. Of course, Carl Willis was the second The second big train. Big train. Uh, Walter Johnson, 18 innings, 10 hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. That lowered his ERA for the season to 0. 0.98. Uh, here's what you'll like about that 18-inning game. Two hours and 50 minutes, oh according to the time. Judd would love this game. One day, Judd oh. would love this game. Or the exact time last night's game took. The losing pitcher, by the way, Lefty Williams. Uh, for the By the way, it was the middle of May, and Walter already had 10 decisions. And uh, Lefty Williams had seven. Uh, he went 17 and a third for the White Sox before finally giving up a run. It appears that the run was knocked in by, must have scored on an air. I guess the run scored on an air. But Lefty Williams was one of the fixers for the uh, Black Sox. He was, okay, sure. He was one of the more famous fixers of the Black Sox scandal. But Walter Johnson, tonight, Washington, uh, Yankees are there tonight. That's right, yes. And then the Cubs are there. The Yankees are there, and then the Cubs are there. It's a pretty good homestand. No, think they'll draw pretty a few fans stand. for that they one. They might draw pretty well. Yankees are uh, at Washington tonight, and uh, Bryce Harper's in uh, is uh, rolling, and the Judge and Stanton and uh, I was uh, if if I had any brains, I'd be there, but I'm not. I'm here. So anyway, Walter Johnson, the big.